powered by MPB. This is the MPB Student Council Podcast, hosted by members of MPB Student Council. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Media app to listen on your iPhone or Android device. Welcome to segment two of the MPB Student Council Podcast Generation Gap episode. I'm your moderator, Jasmine Harvey. So what might be the biggest problem if there's a generation gap? Comparing children to each other or even to how you were as a child is another reason the gap becomes wide. This often causes them to lose confidence in themselves and can destroy any enthusiasm they may have previously had. Differences in each generation's approach to work, communication styles, and worldview can lead to resentment when a person of generation does not act or speak in a way that is congruent with that of someone from a different generation. So what are the positive effects of the generation gap? When children and adults have space to interact, the result is improved emotional and social development for both. Adults have the opportunity to share cultural values and traditions, and children learn important social skills. When intergenerational learning, both sides develop a deeper understanding of diversity. Now we'll introduce our segment two panelists, starting with Cedric. My name is Cedric Grizel. I'm the Director of Corporate Support for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My name is Kaylin Johnson. I am a ninth grader at Mendenhall High School. My name is Natalie Ford, and I'm a ninth grader at Warren Central High School in RCEC, which is River City Early College. My name is Corinne Allen, and I'm a ninth grader at Mendenhall High School. I'm EJ Rivers. I'm the Public Relations Coordinator for MPB. So the topic for the segment is communication transparency. I'm going to start with you, Nellie. Do you feel that you have an open line of communication with your parents? Honestly, I feel that I do on a certain level. So for my mom example, she tries to be more relevant. She's on TikTok, which is obviously a big thing for Gen Z and my generation of students and peers. A lot of us are on TikTok, so my mom being on there kind of helps her be more relevant and see the things that I'm seeing. And when stuff came up like the TikTok ban, she was able to talk to me about it because she uses the app. But in comparison to my dad, he doesn't use the app. So when the TikTok ban came about and that like conversation started happening, it was a little bit harder for him to relate and to see what I was seeing when I was saying that I don't think TikTok should be banned. I didn't see any reason for it to be banned. I feel like it's all about trying to be relevant and trying to stay relevant with the teens and with the younger generations as well as the older generations understanding them and understanding what your parents went through and like how their generation kind of works. Okay, now I'm going to go to you, Mr. Cedric. As Natalie talked about bridging the gap of just communication transparency, how do you feel your communication line is with your children? You know, I feel as if my communication lines or the space, as someone said earlier, is pretty good, but I have my children' age, of course, varies. I have a 9-year-old and I have a 23-year-old. I found myself being more open as they age and get into more deep conversations, or as you said, relevant. But you know, when you're three years old, you know, you don't have a say-so what time you come home. So it just kind of depends on the age and as they mature, the space and communication mature as well. Okay, now I want to go to Korean. How open do you feel you are with your parents as it pertains to communication and transparency? 
Well, I think that it depends on what we're talking about or what the topic of conversation is. Because if it comes to things like what's going on, like family or like friends or what's happened at my school, I feel like I can. But also, it's kind of hard for me to talk to them because it just seems like they're so far, like no offense to my parents, but they're like so far removed from like what's going on now. So I feel like they wouldn't really understand, but I try to talk to them about stuff, but sometimes it is hard because I just feel like they don't understand. That's a good point, Corinne, because sometimes I find myself talking with my children and then I morph between, I guess, a peer and parent at the same time. And I guess when I become the parent, as you said, you know, they don't understand or they get in parent mode, but they're more open when they in peer mode or being relevant to you. So I find myself, when I get into parent mode, they like shut off, you know, but it's hard from a parent perspective because they are the parent, they've experienced more things and they don't want you to make some of the same mistakes they possibly have made. And so it's hard like being relevant in today's world because we're in a different world, but at the same time, it's hard not being a parent as well. So Kaylin, I want to jump to you. Korean hit on a good point about sometimes it's not easy to be as open with your parents about certain topics. So could you tell me of any topics that you feel like you can't share with your parents or just in general that you think that young teens can't share with their parents? A topic that some teens probably couldn't communicate with with their parents are relationships. Because if they are currently in a relationship with somebody and their parent don't know, if the parent find out they could possibly blow up on them, but also if the parent does know and they just don't like the person, they could also blow up on them because they're like, why are you with this person? I feel like this person isn't good for you. But at the same time, your parent could like that person, but they could find little things that they don't like about them and they relay that to you. So you have possibly have to talk about that with your partner and stuff. But if your parent likes them overall, that could have a good impact on you and your relationship and you and your relationship with your parents because that could help you and help them get along. And that type of thing could help relationships last because a lot of things that people may not know is like parents can make or break a lot of things, but also you could make could break a lot of things because if you get in a relationship and you all know all these things about this person and they're all bad things and you still get with them but they also turn out to be a good person your parents could also hear like all the bad things they're like you shouldn't be with this person all that but also you can hear a lot of good things about somebody and you get with them but they could be like a really bad person and they just hide it thank you Kaylin so I want to go to you EJ with your background in communication what ideas do you have or may have heard that could help the bridge the communication line between a young adult and a parent? Okay, first being said, I don't have children myself, but I have nieces, nephews. I've been like a step parent to various ages. So I don't have the knowledge base that Cedric would have, but I have been privy to seeing relationships, different parents with different kids at different ages. And the one thing that I've always noticed, I had a very, very open relationship with my mom. I could talk to her about anything, illegal, not illegal, it didn't matter. As long as we were honest with one another, I never had to fear that she would stop loving me or anything like that. And that's the kind of thing that I always wished more parents had with their children. The the ability to remove oneself from responsibility and just be completely and totally honest, even if it kind of hurts a little bit. Because I think what Corinne was saying was she's like, parents don't understand. And I'm like, honey, 
They really do. They might not have been in your position yesterday, but somewhere back in the day, they were your age and they probably felt everything just as powerfully as you do, but time has just kind of taken the edge off. So never think that your parents don't understand because they probably do. And then when you're worried about relationships, if anybody can help you, if you have a good relationship with your mom and your dad or an aunt or an uncle or a friend of a parent, and you can talk to them about the things you worry about with good people, bad people, good things, bad things, those kind of talks, as long as they're open and honest, they can only help many relationships. The relationship with the significant other that you want to have, the relationship with your parent, brothers, sisters, all that stuff. So I feel like if more kids gave their parents more credit and more parents gave their kids more credit, kids do grow up. They're not the infants that they were when you had them. And you have to adjust your standards and what your expectations are from your children as they get older. They're as smart as you, and you got to give them credit for that. Okay, EJ, I'm going to give you big kudos because I think that that leads to conversation that is not one-sided, that it should be shared, that both parents and teenagers or young adults should be able to have that communication line where they're comfortable talking with each other, but it's both parties putting in the work to have that conversation. I want to go to you, Mr. Cedric, and ask your perspective of, as it pertains to the topics that these young adults have discussed today with relationships, what would be your take in something that could help build that relationship and understanding that parents and not just parents, adults in general are there to support and to help versus where it makes the young adults feel that they're not listening to them at all. So, you know, I have three daughters and I'm like, relation who? No, <laughs> but serious. Buck uh, up, sir. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> what's I think a helpful part of that is for the parent to be transparent. I had to learn it over time and to be honest about their upbringings because as EJ mentioned, They've had some experiences, whether yeah. the children know it or not. But I think the transparency, whether it was a bad relationship or a good one or whatever, just being very transparent about their own testimony. You don't to have help. to know all the gory details. Exactly. But, yeah, no, but go, no, I had a boyfriend that nobody liked or whatever. There were questions about it, and I really liked him, and he really liked me. And it could have gone either way. But to be able to tell them, it's like, I know where you are, and I won't judge. You have to pull back on the judging. Exactly. Exactly. So we're going to shift gears just a little bit. One of the things that a lot of teenagers don't understand about adults or adults don't understand about teenagers as well is just talking about life obstacles. Just things that we necessarily go through at different ages from a male and a woman perspective. And so what I want to kind of chime into is getting the understanding of what are some life obstacles that you all think that it's hard to communicate. I'm going to start with you, Natalie. What are some life obstacles that you think that would be hard? It could either come from a young adult perspective, like things you may have heard at school or with your friends or just yourself in general. Are there any obstacles that you feel like you cannot have an open communication line with, with your parents or just an adult in general? So I have two mental illnesses. I have an anxiety disorder and I've had depression for quite a while. So I come from a place of mental illness where I feel like it is a life obstacle. For me, it's probably going to be a lifelong obstacle. And for me, I didn't talk about it for a really, really long time, especially the depression part. It took me a long time to ever tell my parents. I had a school event that happened, which is how people found out. And that's ended up how my parents ended up finding out. And so I think mental health becoming more and more talked about 
more and more media is picking up on it and more people are starting to recognize it. But for me, I was always at such an awkward place where I was struggling and I felt like I couldn't talk to my parents, so I didn't. And that's what made me struggle for so long. I started having depression when I was like eight. It was off and on and you know, it's still ongoing. So for me, I feel like adults more so their generations, they didn't have enough talk about mental health. I didn't see any talk of it in TV or anything. So I didn't feel like I could talk about it because I didn't really even know that other people were struggling. I thought it was just a me thing and me struggling was just a obstacle that I had to get through and it was gonna go away one day and you know, it never ended up going away. So I'm glad that I finally got to talk about it but I feel like if it was more talked about if it was more seen on TV in different areas I would have felt more comfortable telling somebody. You brought up a very, very relevant topic, which is mental health. And that is very prone, and not just to young adults, but to adults as well. And so, Mr. Serge, I want you to chime in on that, of the mental health talk and just life obstacles. How is a way that parents can bridge that gap if they do have a child that is struggling with that and they really don't know how to communicate it? What is one way that you think a parent could be transparent in that life obstacle? Well, as it relates to mental health, I think you have professionals that deal with those type of issues and being open and also realizing you don't know everything and to get in contact with the professionals that are able to help with those particular type of issues and being open to listen to your children. I think Natalie mentioned that mental illness 30 years ago, 40 years ago, wasn't a a word. It was happening, but it wasn't realized. Well, it was happening, but nobody wanted to talk about it because it was looked upon as a detriment. Absolutely. It it wasn't a human condition. It was a problem. And now I think most people over the age of 40 and 45 are slowly beginning to understand it's really hard to shake the prevalence of it being a negative thing as opposed to just a human condition. Absolutely. And there's more study and more intelligence on it now as well that makes the conversation more open to talk about. It's also nice as an adult to go, oh, you know what? Maybe I do have ADHD and we just didn't know because nobody knew it existed back in the 70s. But it's like, maybe you do have those things and maybe that's what my problem was. So I think kids can probably be a little bit more open to the fact that you're teaching your parents about some of these things that they may never have been able to talk about before. Yeah, you know, it's like evolution or how things evolve. You know, horseback riding was our means of transportation at one time. Mm-hmm. Now we're flying in the air, so somebody had to listen to somebody to make that change. So likewise, with other various aspects of life, we can't forget where we've come from or the foundation that's been set. So I think from a child's perspective, they should be open as well to listen to where they come from and things that parents have experienced and also having parents to be open as well to connect or create that space, as you mentioned earlier, to have conversation. It's got to be 50-50. Absolutely. I appreciate the comment that you made of like going to see a professional because I've always said like you wouldn't fix a broken leg at home so you can't really fix somebody's mental illness at home and I feel like it's a huge issue nowadays like I know how you said that it wasn't a word people didn't use it people saw it as negative they would call you crazy rather than call you somebody who needed help so I feel like now I've heard of friends, you know, when they tell their parents or they finally tell somebody, it's seen as like something hugely negative and they don't even take them to a professional. They won't take them to a therapist because they're like, you can deal with this. You know, some people, some parents tend to think electronics cause it. They'll try to take away phones, computers and things like that, and they end up making it worse. So I really appreciate that comment saying, you know, taking it to a professional because you really can't fix it at home. 
I know that the younger generation has a more accepting form of it. If you group together and go to parents and go, look, guys, we would like professional help. Because sometimes professional help is not carried under insurance because your parents are thinking about money and everything like that. But if enough of your peers get together as a support group and you go to parents and go, we're really interested in looking at a professional, maybe helping all of us as a group. And maybe it could be a shared experience and open it up to the parents to go, we really want to talk about this because we think it could help you too. It needs to be also adults running those ideas. I feel like if school staff could get together and do that, talk about mental illness openly, because one of the things I've always tried to do is I've always tried to be open about it. A lot of people hide it, but I'm not necessarily proud of what I've done. I'm not necessarily proud of my attempt. I'm not necessarily proud that I have anxiety or that I have depression, but I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. It's a part of me and it's part of who I am. And it's not something that I can just not tell you, but it's also something, you know, that I have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. So I feel like it needs to be adult ran and I think it's a great idea. I feel like it's something that definitely needs to happen because adults tend to listen better, you know, to other people their age, you know, rather than kids. Some of them aren't that open minded. Some of them are very narrow minded. So I feel like if there was more talk in schools about it. I think you need to find the right adult because there are adults that have gone through mental illness in their life at some point or another, 20s, 30s, when they were teens, or they've had people close to them go through mental illness, but at that time, it just wasn't talked about it. It was done internally. But if you find the right adult and get those adults, it really does help being able to talk about it. Because you're right, adults do converse better with other adults just because there's a stable baseline there. Okay, so this last question is going to wrap up this segment. And so I want to pose this to Corinne and Kaylin. We talked a lot about communication, transparency. There was a lot of discussion about specific topics, mental health, relationships. So how do you both feel, and I'm going to start with you, Corinne, how do you feel we can start bridging that gap of communication transparency? Well, for me personally, it would be getting it in my head that my parents were once in my position and for me to just come to the realization that if I do ask them about something or if I do tell them about something that's going on in my life, they actually may have a decent answer to go with my question. Or they might not. No. (laughs) (laughs) And that there actually may be some good advice that will come out of it. And for parents, it's to just be able to listen I was actually talking about this the other day that somebody, like an adult came to me and they asked me like, what problems do you have? You're only a teenager. And that actually made me upset because I was just like, it may not be like the same problems as you. Like I don't have to worry about bills, but like I'm a teenager, I'm in high school. There's a lot that comes with that. So I think it's for teenagers to realize that adults have been in our position, but also for adults to realize that we are a new generation and it may not be the problems that you guys had in your life, but we do still have our own problems as well. Okay, Kaylin, I want to go to you next. A teen could possibly sit down with their parent. Like I do sometimes, uh, conversations start off as like a random topic, but as it goes We start relating to each other because we'll start telling, like, this happened, like, this also happened to me. So she could tell me, like, don't do this, don't do what I did, but do this, and it could possibly help me with something. Like, schoolwork, she talks about, like, her upbringing, school and stuff, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, and we just talk about life. If some students are teens, they just sit down, do that with their parents. I feel like that could close, like, a really big gap between communication, and they could start relating to each other. And, you know, sometimes it could be how you approach the conversation from teenager or young adult. Instead of just bringing your situation to your parent, you could say, hey, mom, how are you when you had your first boyfriend? 
And they like, 13? Yeah. Say what? Are you serious? <laughs> and, and that opens the door in another way. You're kind of letting them know, hey, I know you've been here, and you're not just really talking about your situation or whatever it is, you know? So approaching it from another way of letting them know, hey, I know you've been here, but I want to hear about you and how you deal with it. And he said, you know, speaking of that, this is what I'm dealing with. So you've already opened the door. Hey, I know you've been there, so I'm here now. So I want you to think about it when you were there to respond to me. So it could be your approach as well. My mom, her high school experience, it was pretty crazy for her. She was like a popular mean girl. She was like the stereotypical <laughs> in the movies, 90s cheerleaders who was really mean. But now as like an adult, you know, she's a changed person, but you know, that's her past. So she's like had a few experiences where she's met a few people that, you know, she used to talk down to in high school and stuff. And she's had a chance to apologize. But parents going through things like that, because I went through bullying when I was in like elementary school, but she was super passionate, you know, about getting it to stop because she understood it, but she understood the other side too. She's like, well, you know, hurt people are the ones who hurt other people. So she told me while they're hurting you and that they're bullying you, you know, you also have to think about it from a perspective of, you know, what they're going through. It was kind of a lesson for me because while like, you know, my feelings were hurt, I also learned, you know, a pretty valuable lesson to just kind of ignore it and it would go away and to realize the hurt they were going through. That's why when some people say stuff to me, I try not to let it get to me as much anymore, particularly people who constantly say things like that because you have no idea what, what they're, they're going, going through. through. Yeah. Yeah. What the stimulus is. All right, well, we discussed so much in this particular segment, and this conversation, I feel like, deserves a follow-up. I want to thank each and every panelist that sat in on segment two of this Generation Gap podcast episode. I thank each of you for what you shared today, and I know that segment two, as well as segment one, is going to be the help that we need in bridging the gap between young adults and parents and adults in general. So I thank you all for your time, and this ends segment two of the podcast episode. You've been listening to the MPB Student Council Podcast. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Media app to listen on your iPhone or Android device. This podcast is hosted with love by ACAST. Thank you for tuning in. Before you go, please be sure to leave a positive review for MPB's Student Council Podcast and subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode releases. See you next time.